0: This is the Christian Life Center weekly podcast. Visit us online at missoulachurch.com. We've been in the book of Romans, talking about Romans, and uh, it's a New Testament book. And uh, we're on like number four in this series of of Romans that we've been talking about, and I think this will help your life. Uh, Romans was uh, written to bring clarity in the midst of chaos. And there was this chaotic world, the church was new. And so here we get this book called Romans and it's all about bringing clarity in the midst of chaos. And I don't know what happened, but it's 2024 and there's still chaos in our world and we still need clarity and in the midst of all the confusion that's there. And so that's why we're really talking about this book because I wanna help bring clarity uh, to your life. And hopefully we can do that together. Uh, If you follow along with us, uh, we know that this guy named Paul wrote this letter uh, to the church in Rome, and we believe the intention behind it was absolutely to address Rome, but he also knew that in the time period, if I get this to Rome, Rome was the centerpiece of the world, and if I get this letter to Rome, it is going to spread throughout the whole world, and we know that was probably a big intention of his, that this thing would reach beyond just that church in Rome. And, um, and so we've been going to a little deeper uh, length normally than what we normally do. And, and, and the hope is to give you some terms and give you some things for your lives that's going to equip you. The hope is that you can walk out of here and you can feel a little more equipped. You can feel a little more encouraged, ready to just uh, live the, the life that God has destined you to live. Absolutely. So we know this about Paul. The cool thing, uh, the thing about Paul is if you know anything about his backstory is uh, this was a guy who originally hated Christians. He hated the church. In fact, he, he literally persecuted Christians and persecuted the church. He hated them that that much. But then all, guess what? He became one of them. You know, maybe that's your story. Like at one point you are like, ah, I'm a Christianity church, Jesus, blah, I don't like any of that. And then now you find yourself one of them, right? You've joined the fold. And so that was what happened to him. And so he went from persecuting the church to actually helping Christians and he wanted to take the life of Jesus that we see earlier in the Bible and, and he wanted to show us like, hey, taken who Jesus is. Um, this is who you are because of Jesus. He wanted to show you that this is who you can be because of Jesus. And he wanted to show you, this is how you can live because of Jesus. And if you've been with us, and it's fine, if you're not, you don't have to, it's, it's not like that, but, but I have been giving you I am statements every week. So for the first week we started with, I am unashamed of the gospel, which really should encourage us that we can live bold lives. We can be unashamed because of what Jesus has did for us. Week two, we talked about, I am done with excuses. Like in other words, we, we don't have to live by excuses anymore, we can be confident, of what God has called us to do, and we don't have to have excuses. And then I, last week we talked about I am living by faith. Uh, in other words, following Jesus is a faith journey. And we said last week the, the main statement is we don't deny facts, we just deny that facts have the final authority. And so today I wanna to pick up to you in Romans chapter four and we're gonna be looking at this guy briefly whose his name was Abraham. And he's like this Old Testament figure way back when and he was given this title, this figure and they called him the father of faith. Like he was the beginning of everything for us. He was an example, the launching point for faith. And we look at his life and we look at Abraham and, and we wanna see how he had faith but not just how he had faith, what was the result of the faith that he had. And so it'll be on the screen for you, Romans chapter four, verse 18, and it starts like this. It said, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father, of many nations, just as it has been said to him, so shall your offspring be. So let's, I just want to pause for a moment. Like hear me this morning, some of you are at that place right now. Where it started right out, it said against all hope. And I just want to pause for a moment because I think some of us may be sitting here this morning with no hope. The circumstances in your life, the doubts that you have, the questions you have, life in general, has stolen all hope from you. It's just lost. And we look at Abraham and he says against all hope, what did Abraham do in the face, in the face that hope was gone? The Bible says this, he believed. In the midst of not having hope, he believed. I wanna encourage you with that today. He goes on and he says in verse 19, without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, and Sarah, who was his wife, her womb was also dead. So you gotta get this backstory, church, real quick, is that God promised, look how crazy this is, God promised Abraham, and he promised his wife, Sarah, that they were gonna have children. Now, if you've been in a place where, where God has told you he's going to do something for you, it's not as big as this, because the reality is, Abraham's 100 years old. I don't know if you want to be 100 years old and say, give me a baby, right? And, and his wife's like 90, right? And here we is God saying to him, hey, hey, you're going to have children. And, and my boy Abraham's like, time out. <laughs> or he wants to say, time out. Wait, wait, God, do you know biology? I, I'm, I'm 100 years old and my wife is 90. This isn't going to work, God. But that's not what Abraham did. That was not Abraham's response. Look at his response in verse 20. Yet he did not waver through unbelief. He did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. He gave glory to God. That was not a response. Here's here's my challenge for all of us in this room this morning. He did not waver in unbelief regarding the promise of God. Like so many people in the church today, and in fact, so many people in the world today, they are, we are wavering back and forth because we, because we live in the place of reality. Like, well, I just have to see it to believe it. We wanna live in the reality around us so it dictates our mood, what's happening in the world today and what dictates how we respond by what's happening in the world today. Well, everything around us, and the Bible says that in the midst of Abraham not seeing this child yet, being 100 years old, his wife being 90, it says he did not waver in his belief in the promises of God. I just wanna encourage you, we have hope. You can have hope to stay strong in what God has promised he will do for your life. And you can trust in the promises, even though you haven't seen them yet, maybe they haven't come to fruition in your life, we can still have hope in them. Not only, can we be, not only was he strengthened, Abraham strengthened in his faith, but here, I love this, what the, this was a big deal. Not only was he strengthened, guess what else he did? He gave God glory. Like that's kind of hard to do, right? Like when you're not seeing the things you wanna see and yet you still have to give God glory we want you to come in here and worship. And you're like, well, I don't know about worship or I don't even know if God is real. And yet in the midst of your questions and your doubt and your circumstances and your issues, you can still give God glory. And that's what he did. <coughs> Excuse me. It goes on in verse 21, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. So in other words, he was persuaded that in, the, in spite of his circumstances, God can still do what he promised he would do. And I don't know what God is has promised you in this room. I don't know what maybe God may be speaking to you in this room, but I wanna remind you this morning from this stage, God has the power to make it happen. He absolutely does. We can't do it on ourselves, right? We can't strive enough. You can't work hard enough. But if we put our hope in God, if you put your faith in him, (coughs) excuse me, if we put our faith in Christ, he's fully capable of making that promise come to pass. Let me close, close it out with this. Verse 22, this is why it's credited to him as righteousness, right? This is why Abraham was credited as righteous, because he had done all these things because he believed in God. The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone. It goes on, it says, but also for us, for us to whom God will credit righteousness for us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. This is an amazing thing that's happening here, right? I have been giving you throughout the week, if you've been with us, I've been giving you these I am statements, right, from far of this series. And today I'm going to give you another I am statement if you're taking note. And this could be the most crucial one that I'm going to give you today, but yet it's the most misunderstood throughout the whole Bible. And I want to talk to you today about the fact is simply this. I am made righteous. You may be sitting in this room today and you're like, well, I don't, I don't feel very righteous. Maybe you're here today and you're like, well, I, don't, I don't even act righteous. Maybe you're in here today and you're like, well, I, I, don't even, I don't even look. My life doesn't even look. My life looks far from righteous. But I'm going to show you today that when you put your faith in Christ, when you put your belief in him, there is a righteousness that comes upon you that becomes your identity. in other words, your old self is gone, and you get this new nature, and you get to you get to walk in all that God has for you because of this great big word called righteousness righteousness. I want you to look again he says in verse 20, uh, verse twenty three he says um, the words it was credited to him." And not for just him, but it was also given to us. This word that we get credited is called righteousness. Righteousness. You get this same thing, it's credit to you. In other words, you don't you don't have to earn it. You don't God puts it into your account. He gives you this credit. And who gets the credit? Who gets the righteousness? Those who do what? Believe. Those who believe, not for those who work hard enough, not for those who act the right way, simply for those who believe. It's for those who believe. So, so this morning, real quick, what is righteousness? Let me give you a quick definition. It was, I did it last week, but let me just tell you, righteousness simply just means right standing with God. Like you're in right standing, everything's made A-OK, righteousness, right standing with God. So, so we were disconnected, we were separated from God because of our sin, but when we put our faith in him, right, we become right standing. Once you believe in him, you become in this right standing with God. And church, this is such a crazy, crazy idea, right? The fact is this, get this, righteousness is a crucial topic that is discussed 35 times in the book of Romans, 35 times we hear Paul talking about righteousness. And here's why, here's why that's important. It is, it is if Paul knew that the church, that you would continually have identity crises, Like you would constantly be wrestling with who am I? Where do I fit in? What is this about for me? that you and I would continually want to identify ourselves based off of our issues. We wanna identify ourselves based off of our illnesses, our struggles. Uh, We wanna base our identity off our wins and our failures, off of what other people think about us. And we always continue to go back to our sins. We always continue to go back to the old self and say, well, that's who I am. And Paul is writing this to correct us and say, no, 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 no. You, you are not your past issues. You are not your past mistakes. You are not the issues in your life. You are a new creation and you are righteous. And he puts that definition on us, this statement on our lives saying, hey, listen, you are a new creation. You are a new person. And, 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 and if you believe that and you understand that, you are righteous. I just want to encourage you today, if you're in this room, don't, don't be discouraged. This is great news for you. Your identity can change. Whatever you walked in here before, the, it, your issues can change. Your circumstances <coughs> excuse me, can change. You have a whole world out there that is trying to throw labels on us. A whole world that is trying to say, this is uh, who you are. This is what's, (coughs) excuse me, wrong with you, right? This is your identity. Why? Because the identity we have from this world, listen, church, the identity they wanna throw on you, it's a fallen identity. It's a broken identity. It's a defeated identity. It is a messed up identity, but we could remove that identity and get a whole new identity in our lives, a whole new name tag. And that name tag is called righteousness in your life, meaning you are now in right standing with God. And I want to show you this, how this can be possible in your life. So I was raised my whole life, maybe you notice or not if I've ever shared it, but I was raised my whole life and um, my, my dad was in law enforcement. And he was always raised up. And I'm just saying to you, if you were ever raised in law enforcement, it comes with some nice advantages, right? Like I was driving at 13 years old and no one cared, all right? So like it was just had some really nice things. I remember literally getting like pulled over one night in our town and, and like uh, there was a new deputy on and, and he comes up and he's talking to me and I'm saying, well, my, my name is Heath and my, my dad is... Uh, Richard, and he's lieutenant at the police department and he didn't know who I was. And I had to sit there for the longest time waiting for the sergeant to come to identify me. And I'll never forget, it's nighttime. They had sergeant walking up to the window, flashlight in my face. I'll never forget. He stepped back and looked at this guy and said, you better let him go. You better let him go. And I got off. I remember years later in college, driving to the airport in Lakeland, Florida, and I get pulled over and I didn't say anything. And so I got a ticket. I remember telling my dad, man, I just got a ticket. My dad was so mad at me. He's like, did you tell him who you were? Did you tell him who your dad was? I'm like, no, you don't ever do that, right? And so literally a week later, we, I can remember a week later, I got one of those pulled over. If you ever had one of those where they don't even, they just stand in the middle of the road and go like that like they clocked me down the road. And I remember the guy coming up to my car and, and, and the officer taking my ID. And he said, so you're from the town that was on there. And, and I knew this was my opportunity. And I was like, yes, my dad's a lieutenant on the police, the sheriff department there, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, okay. So he walks back, comes back to me. He goes, well, he goes, today for you, we're running the blue light special. Where's my Kmart people? Anybody Kmart in here? All right, some of you are too young you even know what I'm talking about, but anyway. It's like the Kmart special. Today we're running it for you, the Kmart special. And they let me go. I got off scotch free. It was awesome. Don't judge me because I was raised in that household, all right? I got advantages. But I'll never forget like how that has um, relates to my faith throughout my life. Like, like totally erased, not cited, not fined, totally clear record because of who my dad was, totally gone. I say that because that's exactly what happens when you surrender your faith in Jesus. It's exactly what happens when we come before the Lord. And like you say, I, I've, got, I've got a fence, God, I, I've, I've, I've messed up. Um, I've committed things against you. I've got sin in my life, I am at fault. And here's what happened, God's looks, God looks at you and says, how is this gonna be paid for? Who's gonna pay for these mistakes that you made. And hear me this morning, church, if our response is, well, look what, I, look what I've done, God. Like, look, I'm a good person. Like, look, God, I've checked all the boxes off. I'm gonna tell you this morning, that's not gonna cut it. But if you come to him and you say, "I'm um, okay, God, uh, who's gonna pay for it? Um, it's been paid for by your son on the cross. And I put my faith in him and I put my belief in him and immediately, guess what? You're made righteous. Immediately, the offense, the sin, the fault, it's paid for, it's wiped, cleaned, and we are given a fresh start. Man, that is something to be excited about when it comes to serving Jesus. Like you have that before you. The righteousness that you receive is not because of something you've done. It's because of what, how good God really is. That's why you receive it. And so he forgives us, right? Just like I brought this last week. It's like he comes before us and, and, and this great little toy and, and we have this sin in our lives, right? And, and, and it reminds me, it's like, aren't you so glad that God doesn't go, well, okay. And you're like, God, make me righteous, forgive me. And God goes, okay, well, I'll forgive some of it. But I'm gonna hang on to a little bit of it because you know, you, there's no way you should have a clean slate. There's no way you should be left off, let go scotch-free. That's not how God works, Right? You come before him and say, God, I believe in you. I have faith in you. And you know what he does? He erases it all. It's gone. There's no fault. There's no remembrance. It's gone. You're made totally and completely clean. That's just how good God is. We, we have this identity called righteousness. You have it in your life. And I wanna encourage you this morning, wherever you're at in your faith journey, Like, stop being defeated. Stop. We, need to, we as a church and Christians need to stop walking around discouraged, right? There was a plan. There is a plan. And, and this to say this is who you are, you are righteous. And because you are righteous and because you believe in God, you have full access to who God is. So I want to give you real quick, real quick some, more, some keys to righteousness. And, and here they are. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Number one, here, let me get this in your life. And I think this will apply to some of you. Righteousness is not achieved by works it is received by faith. It's not achieved by works, it is received by faith. And this is so ingrained in our culture today, church, that that everything is achieved by works. Like, what did I do? It's so ingrained to us. Like we say things like, I'm right with God because I do this. I'm right with God because I did that. I'm right with God because I give money or I volunteer to help the poor. I'm right with God because I have no fun in my life. I'm right with God because I'm miserable. And so because I'm miserable, God must be happy with me. Like that's, who wants to live that? Yeah, sign me up for that, please. That's not, that's crazy. Like that's the way, but that's the way we've built things in our mind. If I only do the right things and I act the right way, then God will be pleased with me. And so it's part of the culture that, that if people ask us all the time, well, why are you going to heaven? And, and the vast majority of people will reply, well, my good outweighs my bad. And so because my good outweighs my bad, I have to be worthy of heaven, right? But that doesn't work that way. In fact, look at look what Isaiah, the Bible says it this way in Isaiah 64. All of us, all of us have become like one who is unclean and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. So in other words, like we've all fallen short. We've all sinned. We've all messed up. uh, We've all speed. Some of you sped to get to church today. Like we've messed up. But the term here, get me, the term filthy rags is actually extremely strong language. In fact, in the Hebrew, the idea, this idea of filthy rags is actually interpreted uh, unused, used, used, unsanitary products, useful unsanitary products. That's literally what it's translated. This idea of, of it's dirty, it's not useful. It's, it's not a helpful product in your life. In other words, it's not something to boast about. It's something the Lord looks at and says, man, that is filthy and it's useless. I want you to hear me this morning. There's a, that's the difference between Christianity and every other religion in the world today. I wrote down this way every religion teaches that man does the work to reunite with God. Every religion teaches that. That man does the work to reunite with God. So we say if you work hard enough, if you give enough, if you check enough boxes, if you act a certain way, then you are right with God. Can I tell you this morning? That's not Christianity, that's not faith. That's not following God. Christianity is not achieved because of the good works you do. It's received because of our faith, because of our belief. I wrote down this way. Here's how it's different. Christianity teaches us that God did the work to reunite with us. We didn't do the work. God did the work. And here's what that means. Instead of our work, guess what? It was his work. And because of Jesus, he's the one that brings the righteousness in our lives so we can have confidence. He goes on and writes down in Romans chapter five, verse eight, familiar scripture, but it says this, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. So even though you were a sinner, even though you weren't worthy of it, even though you've messed up, he did this for you. Paul didn't say you have to be clean, clean yourself up. Paul didn't say, hey, you know what? You have to get your act together before you come before God. Christ came to us and he did the work for us, in spite of who we are, in spite of where you come from. And that's an amazing part. I mean, when you go back to Romans, right, 23 and 24, it says there, God will credit righteousness for us who believe. Believe. His work on the cross. How do we do our part? What's your and I's part in this whole scenario? He did the work on the cross. You know what our part is? Belief. You know what your part is this morning? Trust. You know what your part is this morning? Putting your faith in Jesus. And when we do that, when you believe, when you have faith, you receive righteousness. You receive righteousness. So he goes on in verse five seventeen. he writes this deep theological, it says, for if by the trespass of one man, do you guys know who the one man is? is this dude named Adam. And and how many of you know, when we get to heaven, we're gonna have a crucial, difficult conversation with Adam, right? Like, dude, what were you thinking, right? That's the conversation I wanna have with this guy. But he goes on, he says, this one guy named Adam, right? For it was the trespass of this one man, Adam, death reigned through that one man. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness Reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. I love what he writes there. Paul puts this word in there. He's like, this is so crucial. He says, notice he calls righteousness a gift. Why does he call it a gift? Because you can't work for a gift. Like a gift, you have to receive it. Like you have to take it. That's a gift. So righteousness is right standing with God. And how do we get this? Through faith, belief. What happens when we put our faith in God? Guess what? We become righteous. You're sitting here this morning, it's simply saying, God, I believe. And when you believe and you put your faith in him, you're immediately made in right relationship. Now I'm gonna, for those who've been serving Jesus forever, I'm about to blow your mind, uh, maybe. I need to teach you this theology and here it goes. If you are a new Christian in the room, like maybe you've been doing this for a month, a week, days, six months, but maybe you're new to this whole thing called faith. You're new to a Christian. I just want to encourage you. Do you know that you are as righteous as a person who's been following God for 50 years? You have the same righteousness and we have a hard time wrapping our hands around that because our mind says, well, that can't be right because they've had more time to be refined. They've had more time to get it together. And I would look back at you and I'll say, you know what your problem is? The problem with many of us in this room today is that we are still making our issues our identity everything's about what you're going through what you do what you face it's your issues your issues is your identity right and i want to tell you right now the finished work of jesus on the cross that's your identity not your not your mess ups not your mistakes i wrote down this way righteousness is not a sliding scale it's not a sliding scale like it's it's it's, it's a new solidified identity given at the moment of faith in christ jesus and this is good news. If you've been a Christian for six months or you've been a Christian for 20 years, because no matter where you are on the scale of years or in faith in Christ, when people look at you and they say, you're a Christian? I mean, are you sure you're a Christian? Because I look at your life and you've got all these issues in your life. Are you sure you're, that God is really real? Because man, you've got all these problems in your life. You and I can have confidence to go, I'm a Christian because I'm right with God, not because of something I've done, not because of the issues or problems in my life, but simply because I put my faith in the right place. And his name is Jesus. There's a difference between Christians and the rest of the world, right? That's the difference. Because the rest of the world says, our faith is, it, it, our faith is, is not in us. The rest of the world says, well, I'm gonna trust myself. I'm gonna look at myself. And, and, and that's the difference. We don't put our faith in us. We put our faith in him. We put our faith in Jesus. And if your faith was in, if our faith was in us, if our faith was like, am I doing enough of the good things? I would just say to you, we're doomed. Our faith is not in our good works. It's in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Listen, church, you can have hope in that today. We can have confidence today. We can walk it around assured I am righteous. I am right standing with God simply because I believe. Let me hear the second one real quick. When it comes to righteousness, <clears throat> the more your new nature is discovered, the more you are delivered. We're gonna talk about that in a minute. The more you, your new nature is discovered, the more you are delivered. If I asked you in here today, how many of you have issues? I'm sure many of your hands would probably shoot up quickly. I've got issues. Of course, I think they would go up quicker if I asked you how many, say the person sitting next to you have, has issues, right? Some of your hands be like, yeah. Come on, right? Here, let's just be honest, right? We've all got issues. I got issues. You got issues. We've all got problems. We all got things that we're, we're walking through. We all got issue. And But there's something about the, the fact of following Christ. We still like to have this self-talk with ourselves and like, well, I'm righteous, but I still really got some issues in my life. I, I think I'm righteous, I believe in God, but I still got a lot of issues in my life. Let me give you a good example. Almost 30 years ago, almost 30 years ago, my wife, Kim, my wife, her life drastically changed for the better. She married me, right? So it changed for the better, right? And, and my life got better too, but, but her life really got better, all right? And, and, and the difference in, in her life, right? The difference was this. In her life, drastically changed because guess what? Her name changed. Like her name changed. Like she went from a Topetta to a McCoy. And and if if you ask me, that's quite an upgrade. That's in my opinion, but she changed. And and her name changed immediately. As soon as we said I do at that altar and all that was done, her name changed immediately. But just because her name changed immediately, doesn't mean her behavior changed immediately. Like like if you, have you ever dated or, or you're married to someone who your families are totally different? Like totally opposite? I don't know if any of you have had that experience. Like you're probably looking at your spouse right now like, mm. like polar opposites. Like her and I totally raised different, different parts of the country like New Jersey, the South, totally, totally different, right? And so her Skidmore family was totally different than the McCoy family. Like her family was chaotic, loud, brutally honest, like decibel points going up as soon as they get in the room together. You go to my family, like we're quiet, we're reserved, we're from the South, so we don't tell each other the truth about what we're really thinking, right? But her family, they tell everything, And so I remember the first time meeting her family, we're sitting around, they're all there at the dinner table and it is the most loudest thing I've ever experienced. I had anxiety. It was was intense and like the honest communication, the things that are being said around the table. I literally left that table and I said to Kim, we're engaged. I'm like, why is everyone mad at each other? She's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, that's just the way we talk. That's the way we hang out. I'm like, I cannot wait till you become a McCoy, right? I cannot wait. But hear me, just because you took the name on doesn't mean you automatically become that. But how many you know that's so different with the family of God? Like your name changes automatically. When you accept Christ, when you have faith in him, your identity changes like that. You're not a secondary child. You're not a leftover kid. No, man, listen, your name immediately changes. And you go from an enemy of God to a friend of God. You go from being separated to God to being a child of God in a moment. Romans 10, familiar scripture, probably one of the most famous verses in the Bible. Romans 9 says this, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Wonderful, man, love that, right? and that's what we want for you. We want that's the goal is that you would experience salvation. But then let me give you some context because Paul goes we love to stop there but he goes on and he writes something different in the very next sec, uh, in the very next verse. He he breaks it down into two categories. Get this is on the screen. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, okay? One, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. It's like it's two things are happening here. He talks about justified. And if you were here last week, we basically said, what does justified mean? It just, it simply means this, just as if I never sinned, you're justified. Like it never happened. So so with your heart, you make a decision to put your faith in God and you're justified and you're saved. But then he goes on and says, okay, but then you confess with your mouth and you're saved. And I'm questioning, like, how am I justified and saved, and then after I'm justified, I'm saved again? Like, there's two categories happening here. And I think I want to tell you today as simply as this. The first category, one is salvation of your spirit. So he says, with your heart, right? Your spirit. So with your spirit, like, I believe in God, and you're justified, and you're saved. But then there's the salvation of the rest of your body that happens afterwards, that's the part that you have to work on in your life. Those are the things that need a little help. Like, like one of them just happens just by believing in your heart. God, I believe in you and, and justification. But the other one is something you work on. And when you get that right, that's when you start talking differently. And that's when you start acting differently. So in other words, you experience deliverance in every other area of your life by saying, hey, I wanna change my thinking. I wanna change everything. I wrote down this way. Salvation happens both immediately and incrementally in your life. So many of us live on this seesaw. You know what a seesaw is, like on the playground? You like live on this seesaw, like one day I'm good, one day I'm bad, I'm up, I'm down, and this is how we live faith out. Or one day we're like, well, I'm in God's favor, but today I'm out of God's favor, and today I'm in God's, and we just like, wow, that just doesn't sound fun. But let me show you this. Salvation happens immediately in your spirit. So When he talks about your heart, it happens immediately. And this is important. That means the moment you say yes to Jesus, you are saved. And you are, will never be more saved than that moment right there, right? The internal work of God begins to happen in your spirit. But here's the issue. You can be saved, because some of you can identify, you can be saved but got a lot of problems. Some of you are here today at church because you're in that place. You've got a lot of problems. Because if, how many know if we got saved and we had no more problems, like why would we need church? Like why would we need community? And so I wrote down this, I said we have issues because it's incrementally that deliverance happens in your mind and in your body, which I actually think that's the order that it should go, your mind and then your body. And once you get that right, your life will change but it starts spiritually, right? God, I believe you, you're in my heart, he comes in. And when God, and so we give God our lives and our spirit becomes righteous, right? So when people look at us and they say, you are still filled with so many problems. I thought you were a follower of Christ. I thought you went to church now. We can respond, yeah, only part of me is filled with problems. My spirit is totally transformed. My spirit is totally renewed, totally like Christ. It's totally on a path toward eternity with him. But the problem is, is we got this little thing called your mind. Your heart's good, man. Everything's perfect here. Every one of us in this room could probably stand up and say, my heart is genuine. But then we got to talk about this little thing right here, your mind. And this thing has a lot of control over us. And it's the problem that our mind needs to be renewed. Just because your spirit is right, my mind is not always right. That's why we use the words like you gotta change, like you gotta change your stinking thinking. You ever heard that? You gotta change your stinking thinking, change the issues that come in your mind. And how do we change those things in our mind? By understanding the transformation that happens in your heart. In other words, the more we understand the miracle of belief, the more we understand the miracle of faith that happens in your life, the more your mind starts to change. And when your mind starts changing, guess what? The more that person follows that mind, your flesh starts to change, the things you do starts to change, the things you're saying, I'm not gonna do those things anymore, it all starts to change. Why? Because your mind got transformed and and your mind got transformed because your spirit got transformed and it all starts in here. If you're gonna write anything down today, I want you to write this statement because it's important. Man is interested in behavior God is interested in belief. Man is interested in behavior. God is interested in belief. And that's the issue with our world today. So many people are trying to get you to change your behavior. How many know behavior modification doesn't work? What we need is not behavior modification. We need belief transformation to believe. And when you believe, behavior will follow. As your mind is transformed in what you believe, what happens is your behavior starts to follow. I wrote down this way, the more you believe, more your belief changes, the more your behavior will change. If you're a parent in here today, you're parenting a teenager or somebody like that, I, I wanna encourage you, don't try to change the behavior. I'm not saying don't discipline them and let them do whatever they want, that, don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, don't, don't try to change the behavior. I would encourage you this, get them in church, Get them in relationship with God and watch their belief change their behavior. Watch their belief change their behavior. It will change. It's important for us to have our faith in the fact that it is the faith, it is my belief that will change my behavior and not the other way around. We're so involved in church. Everything's about behavior, 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 behavior. And we forget that the root of behavior is belief. Do you believe who God is and what God says he will do? It starts with faith and it will be sustained by faith. Look at Romans, it'll be on screen 416. It says, therefore the promise, therefore the promises comes by faith so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all of Abraham's offsprings. You and I are Abraham's offspring. And I love that word guaranteed. I love the word. Every commentary that I've looked at that read on this particular verse, this chapter Romans four, it all talked about this word, guaranteed. It is a strong word that Paul would write, put in there. And what are we saying to us in this? You know this guarantee he's giving you? What he's basically saying to you, look, faith is like a money back guarantee. It is so solid that if you put your hope in God, you put your faith in God, you will be made righteous and you immediately, you put your hope in, you will be in right standing. And what God started in your life and what God started in your spirit, he will be faithful to see you go through. He'll be able to see your your mind and your body begin to be transformed. And it's a guarantee that comes from faith. It's a guarantee. If you're here today and you're wavering, if you're here today and you're lost in the midst of your issues, Are your doubts, are your confusions? I think Paul is saying to you, listen, if you believe, if you trust, if you have faith, I guarantee you that God will set things in motion in your life like you've never seen before. He will come through for you in ways that you've never imagined before. Because I wrote down this way, when I struggle with what I do, I remember what God declares. When I struggle with what I do, I remember with what God declared. There's so much of my behavior that I struggle with. My thoughts, I struggle with. My, did I do that? Did I do this? Did I say this? Did I say that? And I struggle with that. But I need to remember that what God declared over me when I get in those moments. You know what God declares over you? You're forgiven. You know what God declares over you? You are whole. You know what God declares over you? You are righteous you are in right standing with God. And that all starts with your belief. We need to be encouraged that God said, we are, I am making you, I am made righteous. And so this last one basically says this, I just wanna send you home with this. What is it about being righteous? You know that being righteous, having faith, having belief has significant results. Significant results. We have a new identity in Christ. It's righteousness. That new identity affects every area of our lives because we believe in God. And now because of this new identity, because of this belief, we have significant results. Look at Romans chapter five, verse one. It just simply says this. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace in which we now stand we boast in the hope of the glory of God. I hope you see this when you read that scripture because now as you walk in righteousness, now that you let your belief direct you and lead you, it gives us results. In other words, there are results of righteousness. I wanna give them to you quickly this morning. Here's the From this scripture, here's the results, ready? Results of righteousness, number one, peace with God. Some of you need peace with God today no longer wrestling with God or fighting with God, no longer feeling separated from God, no longer have this anxiety of am I right or am I wrong? Am I doing this right? Am I doing this wrong? When you have righteousness, when you have belief in your life, there's peace that comes with that. It's like the officer said to me, today you get the blue light special. It's the same way. The guilt's gone. The shame is gone. And you can have peace with that. The result of righteousness is this simply this, number one, and that second one, access to God. Now God is not distanced from you, but God, you're not separated from God, but now you're wrapped up in him. He's leading your life, he's direct. It's like the Hebrew writer said, you and I can now boldly come into the throne room of God and we can bring all of our needs, we can bring all of our issues and all of our problems knowing that God's gonna give us mercy to help us in our time of need, that's access. I have a lot of great friends, I have a great family, I have a great wife, all of who I can go to in my time of need, but hear me church, nobody compares to going to the God of the universe and saying, I need you and I need your help. And then you know what, Romans reminds us the result of righteousness is simply a hope in God. Now we have hope, not in myself, but a hope in a God of the universe that can sustain me, that can help me, that is with me. Not because of what I do for him, but because I simply believe in him. I'm not disconnected. I'm not uh, distant. He's right there with me. And yes, Isaiah said, our righteousness acts are like filthy, filthy rags. But he went on to say this final thought I give you today. He said in Isaiah 61, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. You know what he's saying? Basically it says he went to the cross. And when he went to the cross, his robe of righteousness immediately wrapped around each and every one of us who believe. You're wrapped around each and every one of us who have faith. In other words, when you say, I believe and I have faith, those filthy rags, those useful, unsanitary things are gone. And now we are clothed with his righteousness. Would you stand with me this morning? We're gonna close out like this, man. I I think, when I think about righteousness and I think about faith and I think about belief and I think about how God takes has the ability to put you and me in right relationship immediately by simply just believing you are in right relationship. And I'm sitting back and saying, well, that is something that we should celebrate. I don't have to earn it. I don't have to work for it. I just have to believe. And I, I wanna encourage you as we stand here this morning, Pastor Brent, in a minute, minute's just gonna lead us in worship together and then we'll close out. But I, I wanna say this, I'm gonna ask you where you are wherever you're at in your journey, maybe you've been doing this, like I said, 20 years or this is six months, whatever. But this is a great opportunity for us to posture ourselves to simply say, you know what? Because of all you've done for me, God, I think it's important that I express my love for you. Take a moment to say, God, we love you. And then I think on top of that too, is the fact that God has made the simplicity of, do you believe? And if you believe, and if you have faith, you are in right relationship with. That's something to be celebrated. Like we should celebrate the fact that God has made it so simple for you and I to have access to him, to have peace in to have hope with him. That we can say, God, I am celebrating the fact that I am made righteous. And, and, it's, and it's from you, it's not because of me. It's by you, because of the cross. And it is for you. This righteousness that I have is not for me, but it's for you, God. And he's worthy to be celebrated for that today. So as we lead into worship, I want to ask you, just take a moment right where you're sitting, just like standing, I'm sorry, where you're standing, and just say, and that being to ask yourself, to have this talk, like, God, where am I? Am I righteous? Do I believe? Is, where's my faith right now? Do I really believe, God, that you held all the answers for my life? Do I really believe that you can, through my belief, you can change my behavior? And more importantly, do I really believe that the issues that I face, the problems, the circumstances that come my way, do I really believe, God, that you have the ability to change those? Right there where you're sitting, Lord, we just come to you, we we ask God, where's my faith? Do I believe? Can I say this morning as I sit in this auditorium, can I say that I am righteous? Can can I say where I'm standing in this place that I am in right relationship with God? And if I can't say that, God, would you help me? Would you help me to help my belief, help my faith? Because I want to be in right relationship with you. And when I'm in that right relationship, God, my behavior will only follow. So that's our prayer this morning. Would you help us, Lord? Would you help us, Lord, to seek righteousness? My belief has waned, it's wavered. And I need to be in right relationship. And I, I know the issues of my life really all start with that right relationship. It doesn't mean my issues might go away, but it definitely means that I have hope and I have access and I have peace to someone who's greater than me and that can walk me through this. So with your heads bowed out of the class, listen, I'm gonna take a moment. There's a lot of people in the room today. If you're here today and you say, hey, listen, I'm not in the right relationship. I want that righteousness. I want that identity for my life. And that's you today. I'm not going to call you for it right where you're sitting, right where you're standing. But if that's you, I'm going to ask you to put your hand up real quick. I want to know who I'm praying for. Anyone at all, real quick as I go. I see hands. Thank you. Anyone else, real quick? Thank you. I see it. Thank you. Come on. There's no shame. Relationship with God, there's no shame. Who wants to be in right relationship, Lord? There are those who raise their hand today to say, I, just, "I want to be in right relationship with God. I want my belief to increase, I want my faith to increase, so that you, God, are the that you are the reality, not everything else around me, not the things I hear, not the things I face, but that you are the reality." And just like this worship songs would say. My faith and my belief is something I want to build my life on. I want to build my life on you, God. So Lord, I pray for those who raise their hands today and those who maybe who didn't and just say, I need to be in the right relationship with God, that right there where they're sitting, standing today, that they can simply say, God, um, just like the scripture said, I believe in you. I believe in you. I confess to you that I need you. And your word says that we will be saved. And I pray that for everyone in the room today, that God, we would have the courage to say, God, I need you in my heart. I confess you with my mouth that you are God and I believe in you. And that Lord, we would be a collection of people in this room who are made righteous because we believe in just how good you are. Help us, Lord, to build our lives upon you. Lord, I pray for your people today. man. May your face shine upon them, God. May you walk before them. May you take care of them. May you prosper them. May your face shine upon them. And may everyone in this room throughout this week have the opportunity to see the goodness of God operating in their lives. Lord, may, they, may we walk out of this room and even throughout this week, able to see what well, God's hands in that and God's hands in this and God's hands in that. And we'd we'll be able to give you just like Abraham did give you the glory and give you the honor and give you the praise. So go before us, provide for us. We love you and we honor you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining with us today, man. We appreciate you being here. I hope you know that you are made righteous. God has plans and destiny for your life. We hope to see you back next week. God bless you. This is the Christian Life Center weekly podcast. Visit us online at MissoulaChurch.com.